Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, we thank God for Wildred being able to share that testimony, and uh, I look forward to being able to do Wildred and Danny's wedding, and I love the fact that uh, she was able to just acknowledge how how dark it became, but the darkness didn't win, and that's the series that we've been in, how we've been talking about the darkness didn't win, and we're taking the Christmas story, and we're looking how God still had his light shining in the darkness. When we say the darkness, we're really talking about when life gets complicated. We know how life can get complicated. We know that there are problems we can't solve. We know that there are people we can't control. And we know that there are expectations that we can't meet. And one of the things that happens when life gets dark and gets hard is we start to hear good sayings, people trying to help us out, people telling us that things are going to be all right. And one of the promises that it sounds like people are saying is the phrase, it gets better. If you got into a marriage and the first year got rocky, someone told you it gets better. You had a little baby and the baby's colicky and they're crying and someone told you it gets better. You moved in with a roommate and you found out the roommate was just a pain and you're behind, you couldn't stand them. But then one day somebody said it gets better. You went into a job and the job was just tough. And then one of your friends at Christmas said, listen, it gets better. And so later on in that year, you had that in your mind. It gets better. But here's what the truth is. Sometimes it doesn't get better. Sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes you go into a marriage and the marriage doesn't get better. It gets worse. Sometimes you get into a job and it gets not just that you're dealing with a manager and problems, but sometimes the workload gets worse. Sometimes you go into the doctor's office and you had a you felt bad, but the prognosis was even worse. Just one thing we have to realize is when people tell us it gets better, sometimes that meant to make us feel better, but it may not be true. The truth of the matter is sometimes life gets worse. Sometimes it gets darker. Sometimes life gets harder. Sometimes you're in situations that become even more complex. Sometimes the darkness gets even more dark. And we have to have these truths in our mind because one of the things that we can do is we can lose our hope in the midst of hoping, well, this, this day, this, this next day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better and it might just get worse. And we have to keep Christ in our minds and in our hearts and we have to keep a posture of worship when it's seemingly only getting worse. When I, when I uh, moved here, um, that's one of the things that happened to us. We, we moved here and we had about two people coming uh, to our Bible study. And I remember that we uh, ended up, it was hard for us to pay rent. And we had a church that was going to help us out financially. And so we were waiting on that church to help us out. And so we kept waiting, we kept waiting, and then they sent a letter, and that letter told us that instead of uh, supporting us financially, they were going to send cards of encouragement, amen? And so they were going to support us with $30,000, but they decided they, didn't, they weren't going to be able to do that in their budget, so they're going to send letters of encouragement. How many of y'all know my kids can't eat letters, amen? Like, <laughs> I needed actual money. And so it, it only got worse, But God 
can be found in the worst. God can be found. That's because one of the things that you have been accustomed to is when things go good to bad. You got to be ready to worship when it goes good to bad to worse. You have to be able to keep your mind stayed on Jesus when things, when, I mean, there'll be moments when you're like, this is crazy, right? And you've got to be able to keep your head about you, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because Jesus can be worshiped in the worst of moments. So what is the context of the Jesus story? So that's, that's the thing that you, we lose in the Jesus stories, that it was a situation that was going from bad to worse. Historians tell us that at that time in Jerusalem, persecution was rampant. The Roman government had taken over and they had basically, uh, we use the word gentrification. In America, they use colonialism. But at this time, they just called it taking over, right? They would just take over a city. They would just decide, I like that city. I'm gonna just take it. And they'd kill people. And so what ended up happening is they took over Jerusalem. And so there were many Jews that would flee. But if you got caught fleeing, you would get captured, then you'd get crucified. And there were 500 crucifixions a day. Okay, so this is cousins, aunts, neighbors, friends, crucified, publicly shamed. And so this was a daily practice. Now, we have to also remember that we talked about last week, King Herod. King Herod was this maniacal, insane ruler that was killing people, and uh, he was killing his sons. He was killing uh, family members. He'd kill wives, but he also killed babies because he had heard about this King Jesus, And so you've got King Herod ruling and reigning at this time as well. The city of David had been taking over. And in the midst of this, though, something good seemed like it was happening. The family of Mary and the family of Joseph decided that they would come together because at that time, people would get married not based upon their personal desire for one another, but their family commitments. Their families would make a decision that we think you two should be together. And I actually have some kids I've been praying about for my kids, but that's a whole nother conversation. But they look at different people and they say, hey, you would be good for my child. And they actually have financial exchanges. Sometimes they'll get like cows and farms and all this other stuff for for the ability to be able to exchange in marriage. Well, the reality was Mary and Joseph end up together. In coming together, these two have this sovereign thing happening that they don't realize. In Luke chapter one, it says, the Holy Spirit will come to you. Now, the angel's talking to Mary. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the holy child developing inside of you will be called the Son of God. Now, you have to understand that Mary and Joseph are in their betrothal period. The betrothal period was akin to or similar to engagement. But engagement at that time, uh, well, betrothal period is similar to engagement, meaning that they were basically married. Like we're, 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 everyone saw them as a married couple just without the ceremony yet. But if you hear what the Luke, story Luke just said is that the angel said, you're going to be pregnant. Now, in her getting pregnant during the betrothal period, and an angel is the one that essentially impregnates her, the story is hard to tell to your neighbors, and it was hard to tell to these neighbors. People didn't believe it then, and people don't believe it now, that that this was an immaculate conception. So guess who else didn't believe it? Joseph. She had to tell Joseph 
that she had been impregnated by an angel. And so Joseph didn't believe her. And so the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 1, 19, here's what happened. So her husband, Joseph, look what it says, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Notice that the way the text writes this, that his righteousness did not come from the fact that he was going to keep married. They saw it was right for divorcing her because in their minds, uh, adultery was akin to divorce. So it was okay. They said he was righteous because he did it privately. He didn't want her put to public shame. So what we don't have written in the scriptures is the conversation that Mary had with Joseph. But essentially, Mary comes to Joseph and says, sweetheart, I'm pregnant and I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And what did Joseph say? Joseph said, will you go marry the Holy Ghost? Because I'm not going to marry you, right? So he essentially doesn't believe her and wants to divorce her, right? So what is, so listen, listen, now the, the other side of this is what does Joseph believe? Joseph not only does not believe, this is the things that we just don't see in the scriptures. Not only does Joseph not believe she's been with the Holy Spirit, what does he believe? She's been with another man. So he believed that Mary has been out in these streets. The woman that he loves has been out there and he's still walking around with her. He doesn't, so he would have been very, um, it would have been culturally acceptable to shame her. Just like it would be now. It would have been culturally acceptable to shame her. Well, what happens? This public shame that he's trying to shield her from, this is where things get intense. Because in Matthew 1, listen, in Matthew 1, verse 20, it says um, that an angel now comes to Joseph. The angel comes to Joseph and says, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Now, Joseph, I'm sure, is celebrating, surprised, but he knows now he's got a journey to go about because people can do the math. He's now got to walk around betrothed slash engaged to a pregnant woman. And because of this, he most likely, remember what it says before, because of this, he most likely wanted to keep things private, keep things quiet. Nobody sees us. We'll just do things on the low. No one will know that we're kind of, you know, we're going to get married and we'll do things where no one can see. Joseph probably was okay with a private marriage, but look what happens. In the sovereignty of God, in Luke chapter 2, Verse one, look what happens. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration, this first registration took place while Quirinus was governoring, governor, uh, governoring Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. 
So it just so happens that in this moment that he does not want her put to public disgrace, he wants to keep things private, he's got to now go all the way from Nazareth to Jerusalem in order to be registered for a census. Now you have to understand, not only is he probably frustrated that he's got to go all the way with a pregnant wife all the way to Jerusalem, which is 85 miles, which would be a five-day journey with a pregnant woman, amen, but in addition to that, he's got to do this with all his family members watching him. Remember the public disgrace he didn't want? Now he's got five days of that. In addition to that, when you go to Jerusalem, you don't stay. You know how the Bible, you know, they talk about she stayed in the inn. He was staying with family. They, they did. Some things haven't changed. When you go to your hometown, guess who you stay with? The homies, the family. You stay with your cousin. You stay with Nook Nook. You stay, you stay with, with Junie. You stay with all those people. You stay with family. So what ended up happening is the very thing he was trying to shield her from, now she was going to be pronounced to the world. Everyone knows she's pregnant. The very public shame he didn't want would now be preeminent, prominent, seen, declared. This, this shame... Also with the rage and the fact that the census wasn't taken just to keep the numbers, the census was taken to make the taxes. You, when you went to do the census, you had to bring your family and then you had to give an account of your property so that the government could tax you. And the Roman taxation would be levied even higher um, on, on Jews so that they, would, they were robbing them. So imagine the oppression he's feeling, the frustration he feels as he walks these five days with a pregnant wife. Imagine the shame they feel as everyone sees them walking with all their stuff and all their family. Well, it says in Luke chapter 2 that Joseph also went up from the town to Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was, out, he was of the house and the family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Y'all don't, don't run past that too fast. Verse five, to be registered along with Mary, look, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. Engaged and pregnant. The shame that she carried while she had had a baby and everyone saying it's out of wedlock, even though this young lady had done everything right, she was now being ashamed for doing the right thing. Joseph had done everything right and now he was being ashamed for doing the right thing. He was trying to do the right thing and it kept getting darker. Have you ever done that? Have you just, you've been obedient, you walk with God, you were doing all the right thing, but it kept getting darker. You, you know, you didn't talk about them, you loved them, you prayed for them and it kept getting darker. You, you tried to do the right thing for your boss, you tried to do the right thing for your family, you tried to love on the people and it kept getting darker. You tried to do the right thing and it kept getting darker. That's what we're in this moment, engaged and pregnant. And, and to make matters worse, the, the time came for her to give birth. Well, the, the scriptures tell us that she, they walked these 85 miles, 85 pregnant miles. 
Five days. And, 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 and notice that in verse 7 of Luke chapter 2, it says, then she gave birth to her firstborn son. The, the, linguist, uh, the, the way that that's written, that tells us that most likely when it says firstborn son, they, he, he probably was the firstborn son, not the firstborn. In other words, that there's more likely than not that he had sisters. So there are probably family there too. So you've got a pregnant wife, you've got one daughter or many, many daughters, and then you've got, you know, you've got, um, you're traveling all this way. Verse seven, it goes on to say, she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Understand that as they go to the family and they're trying to figure out where they're going to stay, the way that the homes were set up in Jerusalem, uh, or rather in Bethlehem there, is that there would be a upper and lower region. The, the upper part would be where the family stayed. The lower part it was oftentimes a guest room. And then there was an outer area where you would have the shed. It was like a shed or a manger. So that meant that they couldn't stay where the family was. They couldn't stay where the guests was, so they could only stay where the animals were. Now, here's what I believe. Think about this. A pregnant woman just walks into a family home. How could a pregnant woman... Now, I understand. You ain't, let's not... Don't be a theologian for a second. Be hood for a second. Be, don't, don't be a theologian. A pregnant woman walks in a family home, and they tell her, go to where the animals are. Why would they do that? Shame. They wanted to shame her. You, and you've seen this. Hey, yeah, me and my, listen, me and my, um, my, my engaged, you know, we're engaged, but we pregnant. They was, y'all ain't staying, y'all ain't staying up in my house. You stay where the pigs are. You can stay where the cows are, but you, but you can't stay in my house. You can stay there. Cause, cause I, I ain't going to get, I ain't going to be with no people that lay up with it. You know, y'all do, y'all do that somewhere else. I, I've seen that before. You see, this is most likely shame. They wanting to disgrace her. And she was doing the right thing the whole time. He was doing the right thing the whole time. He was doing the right thing by the government, doing the right thing by God, and his family rejected him. Now, they're in a manger. Manger is where the animals are. Manger is the stable. The manger has... Well, you know, you know, animals do things in, in barns. Amen. Did you know that? It's cold and it's dark and it's got it's funk. And the, the word manger, the, the word literally means to chew it. The word essentially is a bowl. A manger is a bowl for food. And in this, that's where scraps of food went. They have the baby. They, they can't find a place to stay. They've come all this way, and now Mary's tired. Joseph's been holding little Jesus, and now he's tired. And Mary looks at Joseph and says, Joseph, we got to put the baby down. we got to lay down. we got to get some sleep. And so he decides, well, maybe we can put him in there. And I'm sure he cleans out this little food bowl. Maybe he lays some hay down. She wraps him in clothes and then they put him in a manger. Oh, King Jesus. King Jesus. 
came from thrones and being worshiped. Now he's in a manger. King Jesus, Mary, Mary doing the right thing. Joseph, Joseph doing the right thing. And now they're in conditions that all seem wrong. They've dealt with Roman oppression. They've dealt with an unwed pregnancy. They've dealt with an 85 mile journey while pregnant. They've dealt with giving birth in a stable and now the baby is laying in a manger. It kept getting worse. It kept getting darker. The situation kept getting harder. And as I think about this, I think about so many people that I've seen walk away from the Lord because it kept getting darker. I think about all the people that know somebody didn't say to them, it gets better, but someone, someone told them, somehow they surmised, listen, that if I love God, life will get easier. That if I hook up with Jesus, my road will become a little bit more paved that things will get straighter, that life will get clearer, that I'll have more wisdom, I'll have more insight. Well, there's truth to that. But the fact of the matter is there's a good chance that the minute that you hook up with Jesus, life could get harder and that road that you thought would be paved with gold was actually a Calvary road. That, that red carpet you thought you'd be on with paparazzi with Jesus was actually the blood of Jesus poured out. No, this is a Calvary road and this is, Jesus actually warned people not to follow him. You know that? Do you know that? Jesus literally was like, are you sure you want to do this? Because life is going to get hard. His promise is not for an easier life. His promise is his presence. He doesn't promise a path paved with gold. He promises a Calvary road. He promises the weight of this world. She was doing everything right. He was doing everything right. And it kept getting darker. And one day you're going to do everything right. You're going to be loving your children and the children won't act right. You're going to be loving your spouse and the spouse won't act right. You're going to be loving the people on your job and they won't act right. You're going to be loving and loving and loving and no one will act right. And God will be with you. See, you got to know how to worship and not wait on the circumstances to work out. You gotta know how to worship and seek God's face when nothing is working out. You gotta know how to worship when nothing looks like it's going right. Oh, I can testify. I know about it. I know that there's, it, it seems like I'm doing everything right and life keeps getting painful. It is with that. It is in those moments that you will meet God in a unique way. It is in the moments when you've done everything you know to do and you just sit and worship and you love God and you sit and you seek his face. It is in that moment that you will encounter Jesus oh, in a way that most people can. It is in Luke chapter two. It says in the same region, shepherds, were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. 
Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Then an angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the city of David, a savior was born who is Messiah, the Lord. And the angels told the shepherds, look, listen, the angels told the shepherds, this will be the sign for you. This is how you'll be able to find the Savior. This is the situation God has been setting up. This is the one thing you're going to see. It's a circumstance that's very unique. Look, you'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth lying in a manger. God sovereignly set it up where shepherds would walk through the city of David and the way that they'd find the baby was because there's a baby in a stable. And the reason why they found him wasn't, they said, this is the sign because there's this baby in a manger, a savior in a manger. That's why they were so easily found because the baby was found in a dark situation. I wonder if they would have found Jesus if he wasn't in a manger. I wonder he was essentially outside. And he was easy to be seen. And you know, the truth is that most of us wouldn't have looked for God if not all else had failed. Most of us wouldn't have sought Jesus if that job had worked out. In other words, if circumstances worked the way they would work, worship wouldn't be available to us. We would just keep doing what we do. But it was through darkness that we found Jesus. It was in the hardest of moments. It was when everything in life began to shut off that we began to seek God in a deeper, richer way. It is in the darkness that we found the great light. This is the moment that happens for the shepherds. They find Jesus. And I want to point out what Luke 2 says. Luke 2.19. It says, but Mary... Now, mo, no, now notice, <laughs> they're, they're in this manger. The baby's there the cows and horses or whatever there, all this is happening. Mary's there and Mary is trying to make sense of all this. All of a sudden, shepherds come and shepherds come to worship Jesus. And this is what it says about Mary. Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. It was in this moment that Mary looked around and she, I'm sure she's looking at this stable and she's looking at her baby and she's looking at these shepherds and she's considering all that she's been through. She's considering the five days that she's been walking. She's been considering the pregnancy and the shame, the fact that she's in a manger. She's considering all that she's been through and she realizes the confirmation given to her by the shepherds. She realizes it was God all the time. Now, would you look at that? The Lord, God, 
It's true. What the angel said was true. This is the son of God. My child that I've brought into this world, I'm going to be worshiping my own child. And it says she treasured those things. You know what it means when it says he, she treasured it. The, the word there is essentially a word that you say you, you preserve something. You put something in a safety deposit box. It, when it says the word treasure, it's the, if your house is burning down, the one thing you would get, it says you treasure that, the one thing you want. It's saying that she did not just have this as a memory. She treasured it in her heart. She stored it up. She preserved it. She locked it away. She says, I'm going to hold on to this moment. And it is in the greatest of darkness, the greatest of pain, that you will hear God and see God in a unique and profound way. But even the greatest of moments you can lose when you go into the darkness again. You can have God do incredible things for you in 2020 and forget it in 2021. You can go into another year and forget and lose all that God did with you. And so what you have to do is treasure it, keep it, preserve it, hold on to it, keep it as a milestone, keep it as a memory, look up to it and say, I remember, I remember when everything was going wrong and those shepherds came and confirmed for me what God was doing. And some of that, God did that for you. For some of you, God, God showed up in profound ways. And do you know what we do in crisis? We forget. We forget about those milestones of God. We forget about the times that God came through. And all we can do is remember how much God hasn't done instead of seeing what he is doing. The Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he steals our joy. He steals those precious memories. And we have to not only write them down, but you have to fight to remember the goodness of God. Mary treasured. She treasured that moment. She, remember, she says, I'm going to remember this. Don't you think that as she looked and saw her little baby at 33 years old dying on the cross that she had to remember that moment? Don't you think she had to hold on to the uniqueness of her own son as she sees her son being slaughtered and tortured, treasuring those moments? Some of our greatest anxiety comes from the mere fact that we are not able to hold on for all God has done. And yet what comes to our mind is all that's not happening. And God has been good to us and he's been good to you and he carried you through some unique moments. God, in his sovereignty, allowed Mary and Joseph to go through this incredibly dark time. God will allow you and I to go through incredibly dark times. But the Bible says in John 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And what we said at the beginning of this series is that the light is always shining in the darkness. 
that Jesus is still on the throne, that even when you get the worst news in the world, the light's still shining. God is still available. The memory of the past is still true, and there is still hope in what God can do for you. There's still hope in that he is on the throne. There's still hope in the fact that when it gets worse, you can worship and you can trust God and you can seek God's face. Church, I encourage you to worship, but I warn you, some of you will worship, but some of you will walk away. Some of you will presume because it's not getting better that he's gone, that he's not there. But the truth of the matter is, I encourage you when you feel the weakest, press in, press into his presence and press into your worship. Treasure those moments that God has had with you. Treasure those moments that God has kept you. Treasure them because you will do everything right. And sometimes it'll get darker and it'll get worse. And the light though, the light will still be shining. Seek his face. Father, we love you. We thank you for your precious promises. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you that the kindness of God is what led us to you. We thank you for the power of God. We ask now that in this moment, in this season, God, as the light is shining, I want to see you, God. God, help me to remember all that you did do. God, I don't want to be like Adam where I only thought about what I didn't have, the tree I don't have. Help me to see all the trees I do have. Help me to see the forest of gratitude that I have. Help me to see how you've carried me and kept me. As it gets dark, God, would your light shine brighter in my eyes? Would I see you and seek you? We ask this in Christ's name. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.